Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Are you ready for the Word? All right. Well, uh, we're going to be going in just a moment to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 17, and then we're going to be going to the book of Thessalonica, excuse me, Thessalonians, okay? And uh, the city is Thessalonica. I don't think we'll go there today, but one day I'll take you. All right, uh, may as well. Uh, Fifty of you are going to be going with me to Israel in uh, June. Hopefully that trip will still be uh, ongoing. Right now it is, and so I'm excited about that. And we're going to be stopping back by different places. And one of these days, uh, hopefully one of our trips, we can stop back through um, Greece and visit some of these places uh, in the Bible, Corinth and Thessalonica and Berea, these kinds of places. But today, we're going to be reading about something that took place a couple of thousand years ago. In fact, uh, uh, the, the, the title of my message is, Can't Keep a Good Man Down, okay? Specifically, we're going to be talking about the Apostle Paul, Can't Keep a Good Man Down. And we're going to look at his example, and we'll watch from his example how God encourages us to walk in God's blessing. Well, the year A.D. 51. How many of you, Miss Margaret, cannot remember that even? But the year A.D. 51 was a long time ago. <laughs> and it was an extremely challenging but a very productive year for the Apostle Paul and those people that were accompanying the Apostle Paul on his first missionary trip to Europe. Okay? It was the first time he was going to be going to Europe, and, and he had a group that was with him, and it, and it started out rather exciting. Okay? AD 51, here the Apostle Paul and his group, they get to the city of Philippi. And when they get to the city of Philippi, they were attacked by a mob. They were stripped naked in public. They were beaten with rods. And then they were thrown into a dungeon and fastened in stocks and chains. Now, that's a pretty good start to a missions trip, okay? And, uh, I mean, uh, talk about cancel culture. That's exactly what was going on. It was a cancel culture big time there because uh, the people did not like them talking about Jesus, did not like them talking about life change, that something better, God has something better for you. He has a plan for your life. You know, in many countries today, people are prohibited from witnessing to the greater population of a nation because that nation loses control over citizens who feel as though that they can do better with Christ. Uh, it, it's, it's important to realize that sometimes um, the devil and people who are following his dictates want to keep people under control. Well, this mob in AD 51 in Philippi, they just started screaming hateful accusations about the Apostle Paul because they did not agree with him 
And they just kept getting louder and louder and would not let him answer until they worked the crowd up into this really violent frenzy. And uh, uh, this is an incendiary process, by the way, of just mob, you know, incitement. And, and the mob mentality is one of the worst and most destructive human traits that I'm aware of. Um, uh, some people tend to join almost any loud and angry crowd. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but the Bible makes that fairly plain all throughout the Word of God. Uh, and, and it always uh, uh, has been and continues to be nothing less than demonically inspired incendiary process of screaming, loud, vitriolic, hateful accusations and continuing to do so until, um, you know, you work up into this violent frenzy. This same predictive type of irrational behavior was capitalized on in other places throughout the Word of God. We see the devil and his minions at a theater in Acts chapter 19. 25,000 people showed up and they caused a riot, and the mob was wanting to tear people apart. And the Bible says that most of the people did not even know why they were there. They were just involved in that frenzy. And the Bible says literally they didn't even know why they were there, but they were screaming the same thing. We see that happened in Jerusalem in about the year A.D. 30, that people who were in Jerusalem, they didn't even know what was going on, but all of a sudden, because the crowd was worked up in such a frenzy, everybody began to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I mean, they didn't even know who he was. But... They screamed it and screamed it and screamed it so loud until the government finally agreed. And that's what happens. That's what happened in Ephesus. It's what happened in Philippi. It's what happened in Jerusalem. If you were to take the Word of God in the New Testament and read the Apostle Paul and him going through the known world, you would find this same thing over and over and over and over and over again, played out as though we were reading a 2020 newspaper. The silly government thinks that the loudest voices are somehow the majority. After being stripped, by the way, beaten, thrown into jail, just to appease the mob, the Apostle Paul and Silas were ultimately found not guilty. And the government sent a few officials to apologize to them the next day and to let them out of prison. I'm sure that fixed it. But then they said, we'll let you out of jail, but you've got to leave town. We can't have any more of this. Can't have any more what? Can't have any more of these riots, and you're causing riots. No, you <laughs> The people that were causing the riots stayed there, and Paul and Silas had to leave town. You know, shame on those people who provoke such violence against justice. They cause horrible damage, sometimes irreparable damage. Imagine how many people did not get saved in Philippi because an angry crowd was against what the Apostle Paul and Silas were preaching. When all you are is against something, you're not for anything. It's of no help. Being against something does not equal being for something. They caused such 
horrible, irreparable damage. You know, what could have happened, what could have been if the mob had not put such pressure, if these unruly agitators had not put such pressure on the government so that the silly government just bowed to the mob rule? What could have been? Although the Apostle Paul and Silas were not in the wrong, as I said, they were forced to leave Philippi. And so they journeyed southwards about three days, and they arrived at the city of Thessalonica. This is what good people do. You see, whenever bad people stop good people from doing good things, they just go somewhere else and try to do some good. Every time we as a church have gone to a nation to feed and to help and to bring relief from some disaster and some government has stood in our way, every time we've gone to drill a water well, we have more than 400 under our belt, every time we've gone to drill a water well, free, postpaid, for nothing, just helping people, and the government or mob or somebody stands up with jealousy and says no, and, and, and you know, we just go somewhere else and start drilling. We don't make trouble. Good people don't make trouble. When bad people stop good people from doing good things for others, good people don't make trouble. They just simply go to the next place and try to help more people there. And that's what we see over and over throughout the New Testament. It is a pattern of God leading people by his Holy Spirit. And this is where we join Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 17. They had just been released from jail in Philippi. And when we get to, in, in Acts chapter 16, and when we get to Acts chapter 17, they are just going to be coming into the town of Thessalonica. They tried to do good. They tried to, and they were run out of town. So they went to the next town. And they're still trying to give people eternal life and salvation and help them and pray for them and meet their needs. I mean, what in the world is wrong with this? You know, you've got to love uh, the stamina and the grace of this man, Apostle Paul, who knows that he is called by God. And the devil just can't keep this good man down. In Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollyon and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as was Paul's custom, he went into the synagogue's service. And for three days in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous, verse 5. Some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers. Wait a second, didn't this just happen in Philippi? Yes, it happened in Lystra, it happened in Derby, it happened in everywhere he went. Here now he's in this new city. He's just gone to the next place to try to encourage people that, that, you know, uh, that God has a plan for your life. Okay? Messiah is here. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and started a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so that they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. 
Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. Guilt by association here. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. I mean, we could be reading this in headlines from last week, last month, last year. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. Verse 10. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. You got to get out of Thessalonica, man. <laughs> when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. That's reasonable. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek men and women, women and men. But some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word in Berea, a town about 50 miles away. They went there and stirred up trouble there. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Are you seeing a pattern developed here? Anyone? The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. They acted at once. They got Paul out of there. Why? Because, you know, this unruly mob is not going to stop. They're just going to keep on screaming hateful accusations and causing trouble and division. And verse 15, those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens, and then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. What was the problem? Well, let me reiterate and encapsulate verse 5 one more time. Verse 5 describes a few jealous people who gathered troublemakers formed a mob, started a riot, attacked the home of Paul's supporters, and forced the residents and the whole city council into turmoil with their threats and their accusations. Has the devil's tactics really changed any in the last 2,000 years? Good and wonderful people wanting to help, wanting to meet needs, wanting to be a blessing, create jealousy among those who want to control. We can plainly see these things in the scriptures and as well uh, we can see these things played out in our nation and in every nation. The loud voices, the violent mobs, the riots, the threats, destructions, restrictions, loss of freedom, bullying, intimidation, stirring up trouble, denial of rights, turmoil, fear, ungodliness, and chaos, all designed to intimidate and control citizens and city councils. That's what the Word says. So that they can get the city councils to do what they want, which is not what God wants. And that's where we have to make our decisions. What does God want? You see, those who riot, riot in darkness and rail against all goodness and safety, there is no way in the world to imagine that God wants us to knock the windows out of a Walmart and steal everything off the shelves. 
This is not a godly response. It's a demonically inspired outcropping of a demonically inspired mob mentality. There is no other way to understand this. While people on the other side of that equation are simply wanting to help, not causing problems. You see, nowhere in all of this did the Apostle Paul or Silas ever hurt anybody? Nowhere did they cause any pain? They were accused of being the problem, but they were not. It's very plain to see in the Scriptures. These jealously motivated mobs are clearly on the side of the enemies of our communities. On the, they, they cannot be supported or promoted or condoned or protected. It's important. But I am afraid that God has left the destiny of each soul up to their own choosing. You see, because the same Bible, the same account that tells us about these things happening over and over and over also shows us the true course of our heart and what our Christian responsibility is. You see, we are here to stand above the phrase of, of governments, the phrase of, of, of groups. We are called to be a light shining in darkness. We are called to pray even for the enemies of our souls. We are called to make sure that like the Apostle Paul, the example that he showed us is that he continued to try to do what was right. As for the Apostle Paul and those who accompanied him, as I said, we never saw him striking out and lashing out and trying to hurt or even attempting to defend himself. Instead, when the year had ended, and that was a very difficult year, when the year had ended, the Apostle Paul found a place to sit down and to write a letter back to the people in Thessalonica, those people uh, who he had first spoken to about Jesus. He wanted to tell them what they needed to do because he knew that they were going to be facing the same persecutions. They, they were going to be facing the same hardships and the same hurts that he had faced. He understood that what had happened to him was not an isolated event. He understood that the devil hates the Christian. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, these seeds of the gospel are sown with many tears and through much hardship. So he decided that he would not only live his life as an example, but he also wanted to write to them and give them instructions. And when he wrote the letter that we know of as First Thessalonians, he writes it out of a heart of love for the people. 
even though he had been treated wrong in Philippi, even though, and he, and, and he mentions it, and even though he'd been run out of Thessalonica, and even though the people from Thessalonica had followed him to Berea and run him out of town there, and even though he had to move on to Athens and ultimately on down to Corinth, and, and even though by the time he got to Corinth, he of his own uh, 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 um, ad, uh, uh, admission was sad and, 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 and broken and weak and hurt, and, and he wasn't even sure, you know, uh, how he could carry on because he had been he had been so maligned and so hurt and so accused and 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 felt as though that he hadn't done such a good job and 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 he was wondering and here came some people from Thessalonica some 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 leaders of the church that he had started and gave him the word that the church is alive and well there. <laughs> you know what you started, even though you only reached a few people, yet now it's strong and the church in Philippi is strong and, and the word of God is prevailing and, and, and it worked. He gets so excited and all of a sudden he's refreshed and he sits down and he begins to write and he writes the book of 1 Thessalonians as an encouragement to the church. To let them know it was worth it. It was worth it. Shining my light in the midst of that darkness was worth it. Me not taking part in the darkness. Me not trying to, you know, you know, well, he says it better than I do. We'll go to the fifth chapter, to the last portion of his letter in 1 Thessalonians. And this is what he encourages them to do. Knowing that they're going to be facing similar difficulties. So let's take this as an admonition because the Apostle Paul wrote this as well to us. God left this to us, knowing that we too will be served some injustices. We'll be served some things that we just can't make any sense out of. And we know it's not God. We know it's the devil. We know it's bad. We know it's, you know, stopping what could be. And we know that we could, you know, could be, it could be so much better. But yet we're not called to do anything but what the Apostle Paul did. Not let it get us down and keep shining the light. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep sharing Jesus with the next person and with the next person and with the next person. For only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 12. We're, we're, we're cutting into the middle of this. You can read the, uh, please read the whole book. Uh, and, and count it as an encouragement as to what to do in times like this. And we urge you, the Apostle Paul said, we urge you, brethren, we implore you, we encourage you, we beg you to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Even though others may have no peace, please, church, he's writing to the church, be at peace among yourselves and realize that there are people among you. There are people around that are really living the example. They're really sharing the example. Esteem them highly for their work's sake. And verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, Uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, whenever, you know, somebody does you evil, don't do evil back to them. We don't live in a tit-for-tat kingdom. 
We live in a kingdom of light and love and joy and peace. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Verse 16, rejoice always. (laughs) How in the world do you do that? How in the world could we rejoice always? Because we have something great to rejoice in. We have something that is far more lasting than all of our disappointments here on planet Earth. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Verse 17, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't mean that everything that is happening to you is the will of God. It does mean that giving thanks to God no matter what is going on in your world. To be thankful to God, to keep praying and keep rejoicing and keep being thankful to God is God's will for your life without respect to what's going on in the world around you. Without respect to whether or not you are accepted or rejected, appreciated or despised, that you should look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of your faith, He continues in verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. That means don't throw cold water on what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life as you continue to pray and give thanks and rejoice without respect as to what is going on around you. You see, if the devil can rob you of your joy, he will imagine he can keep your blessings. But God's blessings come upon those who are rejoicing in Him and faithfully trusting in Him. Faith is what we need to live with patience and joy in the midst of troubled moments. This is what we see with the Apostle Paul. Sure, there was an angry mob. Yes, there were hateful accusations. Yes, they stopped one of the greatest potential moves of God. Yes, you know, know, yes, the will of God did not unfold as it could have and should have. But the Apostle Paul took the licking and kept on ticking. Uh, That's the old time mix thing. He didn't quench the spirit. He didn't just decide that I'm just going to get sour and sit down and and just be sad and frustrated. No, he's telling them, listen, this is what I need you to do. This is what God needs you to do. Listen, church. Listen, church in Thessalonica. I know you're in a very difficult place, and I know that people, I know the people there. I know they're hateful. I know that they're bitter. I know that they're a mob. I know that, I, I, I know that they're putting pressure on the city council to not let you guys have church. But let me tell you, rejoice always and pray without ceasing and give thanks to God and don't throw cold water on what God is doing. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. That means if God has said something, you just hold on to it. Don't think that God has forgotten what he said or forgotten his promises. He hasn't. Don't despise. Don't let go of the hope you have in him. Verse 21, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Verse 22, and we'll close here, abstain from every form of evil. Don't take part in the fray. You know, today we enter into Thanksgiving week in the United States, and I want you to know that I am so proud to be an American. I love our nation. 
I am proud to be an American. I'm not happy with everything that happens in America, but I am proud to be an American. As a nation, we have so much to be thankful for, but yet so many of our communities are in need of divine intervention. What I want to know in my life is the difference between the will of God and what others want. I want to be able to know the difference between what God wants and what the devil is trying to get me to do. Knowing that difference, I will continue, and I hope you will as well, to admonish myself to please God above everything else. God needs us. And that's what the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica. God needs light shining in darkness. He doesn't, you know, cursing the darkness. Anybody can curse the darkness. Light a lamp. Let the joy of the Lord be upon you. you know, find the things in this season, find the things this week that are worthy of praise, that are worthy of thanksgiving. Don't you have anything to be thankful for? Then major on those things. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful to God. The one thing I will encourage you to do, especially those of you who are listening and perhaps you're not sure that you're born again. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you don't know what you're saying. Maybe, maybe you're just checking this church out to see, you know, what we're preaching and what we, we're, we're teaching. Maybe you're looking for an advantage against the church. Whatever you may be doing, listen, let me ask you to do something very dangerous. Let me ask you to do something that could really potentially change your life. Let me encourage you, those of you that are here, simply to ask God, what do you want from me? Because he's the one that ultimately needs to be pleased. It's not your political party. It's, it's not, you know, your friends. It's not some other organization. No one else is going to be there in eternity to judge our lives and to say, well done, or depart from me. Do something dangerous. Ask God what He wants from you and begin pleasing Him. It will bring you to the place where you will understand what the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate to the church in Thessalonica. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Abstain from all appearance of evil. This is the will of God. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.